This morning we turn to a new section of scripture, the one book of history in the New Testament, the book of Acts. And we've been walking through as a chapel family the whole story of the Bible this year, God's story of creation, rebellion, redemption, and new creation with Jesus Christ at the center. During this pandemic, many people are asking, when and how will this all end? The book of Acts is the next chapter in the story leading to how it all ends, God's new creation with Jesus Christ at the center. So I look forward to turning to the book of Acts where we'll see God send his people on mission, where we'll see God use scattered disciples in unexpected ways, in unexpected places. I trust this one book of history in the New Testament will meet us right where we are during this time. So please turn with me to Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit of the Lord said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth, in his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this, his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with, his, with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus and as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself as at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We can learn a lot about this man that Luke calls the Ethiopian eunuch from just the few verses that he shares about him. First off, we can figure out that he traveled a long way to come to Jerusalem. 
We know this because even though Luke calls him an Ethiopian man, we know that he's from the kingdom of Cush or Nubia in the northeastern part of Africa. And knowing this historical uh, civilization of rich culture and wonderful people, we know that it was at least 1,500 miles that this man journeyed to Jerusalem. That's a long way to travel in a chariot. We can also know that this man was powerful. You see, we read in Luke's description that he was a eunuch who was in charge of the queen's treasure. Now, I know my boys on the couch at home are probably already giggling when they hear this, but kids, a eunuch is somebody who has given up the rights, the ability to have kids. They've been castrated. I don't know how much more I can say, but maybe I'll just say this. If your parents bring your dog to the vet so that it can't have babies, it's kind of like it's become a eunuch. And this man is a eunuch, but he's done this because becoming a eunuch uh, declares to the king and queen of his nation that he is all in for them. That in a culture that values children and descendants and heirs and legacy more than anything, he's given up the ability, the rights, even the desire to have this. And becoming a eunuch, he's declared to the king and the queen, I will do everything to further your family. I will do everything to build your kingdom. I will do everything to create your legacy. And this man, this dedicated, hardworking man, rises through the ranks to a point where he is in charge of the queen's treasure. He's in charge of all the finances. He is the CFO. He has power. He has influence. He has money. And clearly this man is educated. Here reading from the scroll of Isaiah in a language that is not his own, we see that he is a man that not only reads, but reads many languages he is an educated, powerful, wealthy man. Some commentators suggest that in the whole book of Acts, this Ethiopian man is probably the most powerful, educated, successful, and wealthiest person that we will meet throughout the book. And so this man, riding his chariot down the streets of Israel, would have been a remarkable sight. And he's traveled 1,500 miles in search of something that he doesn't have. In search of a relationship with God. I believe that maybe back in his home kingdom, he's, he's heard of the Israelites. He's heard of their God. He's heard of this city, Jerusalem, where the presence of God dwells. And he's gathered his servants. And he's gotten in his chariot. And he's gone through this incredible journey to try to meet this God, to try to know this God. Yet I wonder what happened at the temple, because even as we read here in chapter 8, the, the Ethiopian man is already headed home. You would think that he would stay for longer, but he's already on his return journey, yet he's still reading the scrolls because I think he didn't find yet what he is looking for. See, I wonder what happened when he got to the temple. I think what happened is this man of power and prestige and success and wealth, this man where normally crowds part for him, I wonder if they turned him away. 
See, there were laws in the Old Testament. There were rules in the Old Testament that were set up to to show the, the community, to remind the community that God is holy and people are not. That God is perfect and people are sinful. And these rules stated that that if you weren't clean, if you weren't worthy, if you weren't perfect, then you couldn't enter into the presence of God. In fact, some people couldn't even get in the temple at all. If you had touched a dead body, you weren't allowed in. If your house was filled with mold, you weren't allowed in. And if you were a eunuch, either voluntarily or by accident... You were not allowed in. Yes, I believe that this man traveled 1,500 miles by chariot only to be turned away, only to be rejected, only to be excluded. Can you imagine how he must have felt traveling that far only to not be allowed in? Maybe you can imagine this. Maybe you do know what it feels like to be excluded. Maybe you've told yourself that you aren't worthy to be in relationship with God. Maybe you've been told you're too sinful to come to church. Maybe you're told you're too unclean or unfit to be in a community of faith. But I want to say that that is not true. That the story of scripture, the message of Jesus, what we read today, we will find that the opposite is true. That you are welcome. That you are welcome here. That through Jesus Christ, everyone has a way to be in right relationship with God again. You see, we read this story, but there is a much bigger story happening here. It's why we're reading through the Bible this year. It's a story that envelops the Ethiopian man. It it envelops me and envelops you. It's all of time and space, this story. It's the story of God's redemption of man. And how he draws us back into a place where we can worship with him and be in community And celebrate as a family together what Jesus has done. It's a place that offers us rest. Rest in a garden. You see, I say that because I hope you joined us last week for Easter Sunday. And if you watched last week, I hope you noticed that Travis purposely preached his sermon in a garden He purposely preached his sermon in front of those azaleas that were blooming in his backyard because a garden is an important part of Scripture. And as we study the Bible this year from Genesis to Revelation, as we look at the story of creation and rebellion and redemption and and new creation with Jesus Christ at the center, it all began in a garden. It all began in Genesis in the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve were in a perfect relationship with God. But they sinned. We sinned. We rebelled. And we were kicked out of the garden. And so God had a plan for our redemption. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. To take our sin and the penalty that we deserved, death. And he took it himself and he took it into the grave. And three days later, the Gospel of John says, Jesus walked out of the grave 
and into a garden. It's symbolism that John wants us to see that right relationship with God, just like we had it in the Garden of Eden, is available to us now. And as we keep working through the Bible, we're going to get to Revelation, where once again, in the new city of Jerusalem, we'll be in a garden, in an eternal place of relationship with God. You see, there is a much bigger story happening here. And so let's keep reading our story. Because the Ethiopian man doesn't have to go home without meeting Jesus. You see, the Holy Spirit introduces a new character. And his name is Philip. Now we first met Philip in Acts chapter 6. As the church in Jerusalem was growing, as thousands were being added to their number every day, the apostles got together and said, hey, we need help. We need to keep preaching and praying, and we need others to handle the administration of the church, others to work with our food distribution program, our agape office that they had. And so they, they appointed seven men, and one of them was Philip, to, to oversee those things, to make sure that the believers had the food and the resources they needed. And as the church began to grow, so did the persecution that the church faced. Stephen was stoned. Saul began to torment the church, finding Christians and binding them and throwing them in jail and killing them in the streets. And because of this persecution, the church scattered. The church dispersed. And they went into places that the gospel had not yet been. They went into Samaria, into Roman guards. The gospel was introduced to Pharisees and Gentiles. And here in Acts chapter 8, the gospel is presented to an Ethiopian eunuch. It's amazing what is happening. But Philip, this ordinary Jewish man who has found Jesus, who, who has no great education or stature like the Ethiopian man, he finds himself from becoming a deacon in Jerusalem to becoming an evangelist in Samaria. And he relies on the Holy Spirit to lead him. And one day as He's walking down the street. The Holy Spirit says to him, Hey, Philip, I need you to take off down that road. Head south. And Philip says, Okay. And he obeys with joy and diligence. And he heads down the road. And the Spirit comes to him again and says, Hey, Philip, I, I, I need you to run alongside that chariot. Say that again, God? Yeah, you see that chariot over there with that remarkable man in it? Oh, yeah, that's an incredible chariot. I need you to go run alongside of it. That's going to be hard to keep up with, God. That's okay. You've got my Holy Spirit. Go run alongside that chariot. And so Philip pulls up his tunic and straps his sandals tight, and he just starts running. Now, I need you to get a picture of what's going on here. I need you to really see that that this is kind of a ridiculous thing that's happening right now. That Philip is running alongside of a chariot. That's crazy. Can you imagine if you went down to Duke of Gloucester Street and some, some person went by on their bicycle and you decided just to run right next to them? Like you got right up in their face and you're like, hey, my name's Rich. Holy Spirit told me to run next to you. I mean, they would take off or turn left or call the police. I mean, that would not go well. But the Holy Spirit instructs Philip to run alongside a chariot and to listen. 
And as he listens, he sees that the Ethiopian man is reading from the book of Isaiah. And he says to the Ethiopian man, do you understand what you're reading? And this incredibly educated, sophisticated man says, I have no idea. Will you help me understand it? And he invites Philip into his chariot. Now, as I study this, I have to say, I am not surprised that the Ethiopian eunuch is reading the book of Isaiah. I'm not surprised that he's in the chapters 53 and 54 and 55 and 56 because these are chapters that would speak directly to what this Ethiopian eunuch must be feeling in this moment. You see, in Isaiah chapter 56, God says this. He says, let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. What this Ethiopian eunuch could no longer have, God promises in abundance. A family, a name better than sons and daughters. A place in God's kingdom, in God's palace, relationship with God himself. And so the Ethiopian keeps reading, and he reads the section of the suffering servant where Isaiah prophesies about one who will come, about one who will be crushed for our iniquities, one who will be pierced for our sins, He reads of one who would be led like a lamb to the slaughter, cut off and stricken. Someone that would die so that we might have life. And the Ethiopian eunuch turns to Philip and says, who is this man? Who is this one that will die so that I can have life? Who is this one that will be cut off and stricken so that I can be in the family of God? And Philip turns to him and says, it's Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. Now there is so much to this story that I would still love to tell. So many details that I would still love to dive into. But I think I'll stop there because I want us to really focus in on these two men. And I want us to ask ourselves a question. Who am I in this story? Are you the Ethiopian man? Do you have it all by the world's standards? Do you have money, wealth, and success, and power? But you have this longing in your soul that has still not been filled. Well, then, you need Jesus. Or maybe you feel that same weight that the Ethiopian man feels. Maybe you feel like you've been on the outside, that you've been left out, that you're not fit for community. And let me just say, you are welcome here. We too are a community of Ethiopian eunuchs. We are all people who need God to give us a bridge back to him. We all need Jesus Christ in our life. 
And we would love to share him with you. So if this morning, as you tune in and watch this, you feel like that Ethiopian eunuch, let me just encourage you, reach out to us. Go online, hit that Connecting to Community button, call us up, email me. My name's Rich Sylvester. My email address is rsylvester. I always say like the cat, but most people don't know who Sylvester the cat is anymore. But rsylvester at wcchapel.org. And I would love to be able to introduce you to Jesus the way Philip did to the Ethiopian eunuch. But maybe you find yourself a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe you are more like a Philip. But let me ask you this. What chariots are you running next to? Who in your life are you running alongside so that you can speak to them the truth of Jesus Christ? When the church in Jerusalem was scattered, when it moved out into the world, the gospel of Jesus Christ spread because the people of Acts were men and women on mission, invited by God to spread the news of Jesus Christ. And that mission remains for us today. And so I ask you, what chariots are you running next to? Who are you telling about Jesus? There are two characters in this story. In the Holy Spirit, God is seeking after each of them, one to save and one to send on mission. Will you be available to the Spirit this morning? moving in your heart and in your life? And will you, if you don't know Jesus, follow up and reach out so that we can talk to you more? And if you are a follower of Jesus, will you become one who runs next to chariots and tells others about Jesus Christ? As we conclude today, we're going to sing a song that for years of my life I sang around a campfire. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Make me, mold me, fill me, use me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. May the spirit of the living God fall afresh on each of us this morning as he seeks us and saves us and sends us on mission.